Hey friend, Rebecca here. Welcome to Love Is Not Dead, Just My Husband. Now I know that the pain of a loss may seem never ending and we can let it eat us alive and break us down to our weakest point or we can choose to live. My question is, do you just want to survive or do you want to thrive? So if you're ready, I want you to join me here each week so we can widow our own way together. It was almost a year after Tom died that I actually started to grieve. With a cancer diagnosis six weeks after, I went right into survival mode. At the time, I felt like I was barely keeping myself alive in every sense of the word. I wasn't living for myself. I was living for everyone else. Not that I was suicidal, but I did think about it sometimes. Riding down the road, imagining what would happen if I swerved into that tree or drive right over the railing of a bridge. What if I swam out far enough into the ocean where one second you would see my head bobbing and the next it was gone? Drifting away with the current, feeling the weight of the ocean pulling me down. Just too tired to fight. I once read, even in survival mode, you're still thriving. Because all the shitty things that happen in your life are building you up. This may be true, but it didn't seem like it at the time. I stayed in this weird survival mode for about two years, doing anything I could to numb the pain mostly alcohol and sex. But then COVID happened, so no more sex, just alcohol. Alcohol and me. Just me, and I didn't even like me very much. It was July 2020, and I was in a spiral that no one noticed until I let something slip out one day in a conversation to my friend Nicole. I don't even remember what it was that I said or how I gave myself away. But Nicole said, you need to get out of there. Come with us to Sedona. I said, I can't. We're in the middle of a pandemic. She said, you need to come while the airlines are still open. I made every excuse that I possibly could until her husband said, buy her ticket. The very next day, I was on a flight to Arizona. So there I was in beautiful Sedona, surrounded by majestic red rocks and a sacred, powerful vortex. I was the guest in a beautiful house with floor-to-ceiling windows that framed mountain views at every turn. Every morning, I enjoyed a cup of coffee on the deck, watching the sunrise. Closing my eyes, feeling the sun's rays warm my skin, fighting away the cool desert air from the night before. It was then when I would feel it, the urge to cry, that I would fight back the tears. My days and nights were filled with distractions, swimming and tanning by the pool, cocktails at the martini bar, discovering new restaurants and family dinners. Family dinners are my favorite. My friend Nicole has the most amazing family dynamic I've ever seen. She has a blended family with her husband, Wes, her daughter, and two stepchildren that you would never know were stepchildren. Everyone loved and treated equally, 
Breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are always as a family and always at the table. No electronics and everyone is talking. Kids that are open and actually discussing what's happening in their lives. Parents that give honest advice in a loving and caring way. Is this real life? I was secretly jealous of what I didn't have as a child and embarrassed thinking that I could have done more as a mother. Nicole would ask every morning, what are you grateful for today? I would always go last. I wanted to see what everyone else was grateful for. Plus, I needed time to think about that question. I had no clue what I was grateful for and wasn't exactly sure what the question even meant. No one's ever asked me what I'm grateful for. I would later ask Nicole to explain, and without making me feel embarrassed, she gave me a whole explanation of gratitude, how it works, and what it means. One day, Nicole and I were having lunch with her mom at a nice little restaurant at the local airfield because they have the most beautiful scenic views. Leaving the restaurant, we were coming down a winding road and Nicole said, be sure to look. We rounded the bend and it was the best view I had seen yet of the Red Rocks. Tall, with layers and layers of every shade of red that you can imagine. Nicole said, Isn't this the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Something came over me. Something that had been building since the day I got there. My throat tightened and I couldn't speak. I started to cry uncontrollably. Big fat tears running down my face. And all I could say is I don't know what's beautiful anymore. It all finally came out. Everything that I had been bottling up since Tom died. All the pain, all the sadness, all the loneliness, and the anger. I was so surprised about how angry I was. I felt angry at the world. I was angry at Tom, and I was angry at myself for breaking down like this. I should be stronger than that. What the fuck is wrong with me? I could hear Nicole talking, but I couldn't make out her words. Her voice was calm and steady, and all I remember is hearing her say, Breathe. And I wondered, was I not breathing? No, I wasn't. I was still trying to catch my breath from crying so hard. I listened to her voice, and before I knew it, she was guiding my breaths until I was calm. Still trying to make sense of what happened, Nicole said something about grieving taking time. Had I not already done that? How long was grief supposed to last? And is it always going to be like this? I didn't like crying, and once the floodgates were opened, I couldn't stop. I felt so embarrassed, scared, and exposed. This was the first time Nicole ever saw the real me. The me that wanted to crawl up in a ball and die. The me that I've been hiding from everyone. Before I left to go back home, Nicole said, I want you to read a book, Untamed, by Glennon Doyle. I downloaded it on Audible and had it ready for the plane ride home. 
I'm on my first flight getting comfortable in my seat, and I press play. The book opens with a story of Glennon taking her kids to the zoo, and there's an event to watch a cheetah run. A cheetah raised in captivity, trained by a dog to chase after a dirty pink stuffed bunny on the back of a jeep. Glennon describes how sad it is that this wild animal has been tamed and doesn't realize what it really is. She imagines an internal conversation with the cheetah, where the cheetah is restless and frustrated, knowing that there is something more out there, and that she should be grateful for the life that she has, and it's crazy for longing for what doesn't exist. Glennon says, no, you're not crazy. You're a goddamn cheetah. I cried within the first seven minutes of that book, and then for the next eight and a half hours. I listened to the entire book nonstop until I got home. I even had someone on the plane ask me if I was okay. I just nodded my head and pointed at my earbuds. The story of the cheetah resonated with me because I too felt unknowingly trapped trained to act a certain way or be a certain way, settling for what is comfortable and safe because it's the only option I'd ever been presented with, only seeing the possibility of another life through a cage thinking it was not meant for me. In the book, Glennon talks about hiding who she was for years. It wasn't until she came out that she was gay that she was able to be her true self and embrace a happy life. Like Glennon, I settled for years, trying to keep up the appearance of a happy marriage, trying to relay this love conquers all image. Glennon was brave enough to divorce her husband and find happiness with someone else. I don't know that I would have ever been that brave. If Tom hadn't died, I'd still be with him, settling for less than I felt that I deserved for the rest of my life. And it wasn't because I didn't love him, and it wasn't a completely horrible marriage. It just wasn't anything extraordinary either. The only difference between me and Glennon is that she knew who she was hiding. I only know that I've been hiding, hiding for so long that I don't even know who I am. I don't want to feel trapped anymore. I want to discover freedom happiness, and love. I want to be a goddamn cheetah. Because after all, love is not dead, just my husband. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Love Is Not Dead, Just My Husband. I really hope you've been inspired to move forward just a little, or a lot. And always remember to widow your own way. I know it takes time to get there, but you won't find me sitting around waiting for my life to begin any longer. So I hope you tune in each week to see what comes next. And if once a week isn't enough, you can head on over to my Facebook and Instagram so we can chat. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode and get to know you better. And please, Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, give me a five-star rating, and leave a review so you never miss an opportunity to hang out with me 